0: Last week we were talking about the desire of heaven. What is the desire of heaven? The desire of heaven is that no one is lost. But that everyone is found and comes into relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the desire of heaven. That's what heaven is wanting. It's wanting to see those people that are lost. Those that are without God. Come into an understanding and knowledge of Him. And live with Him. And because God is looking for people... To display him so that many others can see him through their lives. He has been at work. Last week we were talking about Israel and how God had raised up a nation for this very purpose. He would raised up a nation to declare his glory among the other nations. And we all know about the nation of Israel. I mean, there's lots of things that are said in the press and controversy that surrounds that nation. But it was established by God and for God so that they would be a light. God caused the prophet Isaiah to say this of the nation of Israel. Isaiah 49 verse 6. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. The desire of heaven is to see nobody lost, but everybody come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the desire of heaven. That's what heaven wants. And so God working through his plans and don't forget, God is above everything. He is beyond everything. Here's the world, and yet he's seeing the world full of His creation, and he's wanting to, to do something, to set the people who have gone into the captivity of sin free. He is interested in that. So he, at first of all, He establishes the nation of Israel to do just that. And they were to live according to God's laws. They were to live out that way so that God could see, or not just God, so that people could see that they were different. What is it about you? Why do you live like this? It's because God is with us. Our God is for us. And God had given Israel His laws, His decrees, so that they would know how to live God's way that's the significance and i hope you picked that up last week moses said in deuteronomy 4 verses 5 and 6 see i have taught you decrees and laws as the lord my god commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of to take possession of it observe them carefully for this will show your wis- this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say Surely, this great nation is a wise and understanding people. So God had given his laws to Israel so that as they lived them out, people would say, like, the wisdom of this nation, the life of this nation, the light of this nation, what is it? Wow, what is this God that they're serving? We need to know more about him. They were to be a light to the nations. Israel was to be God's people, displaying God's ways to everybody around them. So that's really the Old Testament. And as we talk about Israel in the Old Testament, obviously we move from there to the New Testament. And last week we looked at the fact that even through Israel, salvation was to come through Jesus Christ. So the New Testament starts introducing Jesus Christ. But as we come into the New Testament, there's sort of a shift that takes place. We're no longer looking so much at the nation of Israel, but Jesus starts talking about the kingdom of God. So, as he goes around, he's talking about the kingdom. And if you look, for instance, in Matthew's gospel, it's talking a lot about the kingdom of God. So, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is this the kingdom of God is the place, the place where God's laws, God's rule, God's reign takes place. Now, I mean, we can experience, because of last Monday and all of the funeral arrangements and the things for the queen, and suddenly everybody's been watching their TVs and we've all got this education of the queen. And we see that, that our queen was ruling over this nation. Now, we know she's a, a representational monarch or whatever, a constitutional monarch and all of those things. But we all recognize the fact that the queen was above us. She was, she was the head of state. She was setting things in place, her government. Her soldiers were serving us. we got that concept from what you see on TV. That's the idea of a kingdom. God has a kingdom. And in that kingdom, He is the highest ruler. And He is setting the laws and the, the instructions, the commands, the ways for people to live. And so, what is the kingdom? The kingdom is the place where God's rule is actually being uh, lived out, is taking place. And of course, Jesus is talking about this kingdom, but how do we get entry to this kingdom? Well, we learn from Jesus that we get entry through a doorway. The doorway of the kingdom of God is that we need to be born again. John 3 verse 3, Jesus replied to Nicodemus, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And that sense of seeing, it really means like, no, nobody can get into this kingdom. Nobody can be part of this kingdom unless they are born again. There needs to be a change that takes place. Now, of course, if we were to stay in John's gospel with that conversation with Nicodemus, he was saying, born again, what if, have I got to enter back into my mother to be physically born? And of course, Jesus wasn't talking about that. He's talking about the fact that really you've got to start living differently. Now, if you're going to be part of the kingdom of God, you need to be born again. You need to have your mindset set towards obeying the things of the kingdom that you're in. So there's a doorway to this kingdom. It is that we might be born again. And as Jesus started his message, when he started his mission on earth and he started to preach, his message was a message of the kingdom. And his message was this, Matthew 4 verse 17, repent, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So his first message, here he is on earth and he's preaching about the kingdom and he's telling people, like, okay, the first thing is you need to stop thinking the way you are. You're thinking according to the ways of this world. You're all caught up in the system of this world. But I'm going to tell you about a kingdom, my kingdom, the kingdom of God. And if you're going to get into the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. But how do we get born again? We need to start, first of all, by understanding we need to repent of the things that we have done wrong. We've lived in the wrong way. We've not followed the way that God wanted us to follow. We have done other things. And so we need to repent of that. And the word repent is a Greek word which means literally to change one's way of thinking. So we've been thinking like this. This is the way that we've been going about our lives. But we need to change that, repent, turn around, start going God's way. That's what Jesus was preaching. And Jesus displayed the kingdom in some of the works that he did. For instance, Luke 11 verse 20, it says, If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And what Jesus was saying or declaring at these times, as he's healing people, as he's delivering them, he's saying, listen, these things are happening because the kingdom, the place of God's rule is coming here among you and it's affecting you and you've seen it. Now, there was all sorts of arguments and things when he was delivering people because people were saying, oh, he's doing it by the power of Satan. And again, we won't go into it, but Jesus was saying, no, 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 I'm doing it because the kingdom of God is coming. But here's the thing about this kingdom. Jesus, when he actually was talking with Pilate, he said this. He said, this king, my kingdom is not of this world. John 18, verses 36. Jesus said, and as I say, he's talking to Pilate. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to pre- prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But no, now, my kingdom is from another place. So here we are. We're here on earth. Jesus is here on earth, and in this case, he was being asked by Pilate, Are you a king? Yes, I am a king. Well, where's your kingdom? My kingdom is not here on this earth. My kingdom is not here. My kingdom is elsewhere. That's what he was saying. Well, what do you mean, Jesus? Well, we know that if we look into the Bible, then we're told that the present evil, that this world where we are living is actually controlled by the evil one. 1 John 5.19 says, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So this world where we're living, because sin has entered into this world, the world where we're living is controlled by Satan. And our task as Christians is to see the kingdom of God, which is not of this world, is bigger than this world. It's greater than this world. It's elsewhere. We want to see that kingdom, and the rule of that kingdom, and the ways of that kingdom being brought here upon the earth. Through us, those who belong to the kingdom. If you're born again, you've entered the kingdom of God. Our task as born-again Christians now is to see that kingdom being established here upon the earth. It's like we're taking something from outside of the earth and we're bringing it into the earth. And the principle or the system is exactly the same as what we saw with Israel. Israel were to be here. What was their job? To be a light here. So that people around them could see, wow, this is what God has done. For us as Christians, we're part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God isn't of this world. It's different from this world. And our job is to represent the things of this kingdom. To literally to take the laws of God from His kingdom, to live them out here... So that people can see the ways of God. That God is different. That God is kind. That God is merciful. That God is loving. Because of the way his people are living. That's what's supposed to be happening. But knowing that, we have people like John and James issuing or warnings, if you like, to Christians. To let them know that there are challenges with this. For instance, John says, 1 John 2 verses 15 to 16. He says... Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And James says something similar in in his letter. He says, James 4 verse 4, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Now, these scriptures, I hope uh, uh, you've read them before. But the point is, let me just try to explain. Here we are in the world. We're living in this world. We know this world. We know the ways of this world. We know the system of this world. It's very much part of us. And yet we're being told, hang on, don't get too caught up with the world because the ways of this world are actually corrupt because the ruler of this world is Satan and the hordes of darkness. And so we can get caught up. So as we're getting very much connected to this world and into this world, we can find that we're being disconnected from the kingdom of God. But as Christians, we're part of the kingdom of God and our way is to bring that kingdom in. Is to bring the laws, the rules, the understanding, the ways of that kingdom into our lives here so that we can live them out. So that here in this dark world, we can shine as lights. Is this clear to people? Am I, am I making myself clear? Have we got this understood? Because I want to say, well, why on earth am I going through all of this? Why am I talking to you about this? I'm talking to you about this because... I'm talking about, why should we read the Bible? Why should we read the Bible? The very reason we need to read the Bible is so that we're understanding the things of this kingdom of God. So that we're understanding His ways. Because where we are, we can get so caught up with the world. We can get caught up with the systems of the world. That actually, if we're not listening to His instructions, understanding His ways, knowing how God wants us to live, then it's going to be very difficult for us to be the light that He has called us to be. And actually, if in this world we're getting caught up with the things of this world and we're not understanding the ways of God then actually we can find ourselves drifting away. As James says, there was a sense in which we can become an adulterous people. We're no longer connected to our love in heaven. We're getting caught up with other lovers here upon the earth. That's that sense of adultery that he's talking about. Don't you know that friendship with the world, who is ruled by Satan, means enmity towards God? My kingdom, Jesus says, is not of this world. And you see, when Jesus was here, he was operating constantly by taking things from his kingdom and bringing them in. Causing all sorts of disruption. Healing people. Healing people on the Sabbath. Oh my goodness, it was causing all sorts of complications. You can't do this. You got, But Jesus did it and he showed the power of his kingdom. And he lived according to the ways of his kingdom. Being a light. And he was hated for it by many people but also loved by others was they saw the light that he was bringing in. That's what was happening here. But I'm saying to you that we need to be living and reading the Bible, living in the Bible and reading the Bible because what we want to do is to take all of the things of that kingdom and bring them into our lives. Now, I know I've said it many times and in a minute or two I'm going to share with you some of the results that we got from our questionnaire But I want to show us, I'm trying to show you why. It's not just like, oh look, this is a religious book for Christians and it's a good thing to dust it down. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact of this is a living book that is telling us the ways of the kingdom of God. That actually isn't nice, it's essential. It's essential for us. It's utterly essential. If we want to live according to the ways of the kingdom of God, we need to know what those ways are. And yet this isn't just a book that says, oh, by the way, on Tuesday mornings you need to do this, on Wednesday afternoons you need to do this, and if you've got time at the weekend you need to do this. It doesn't... It doesn't read like that. It's stories and it's poetry and it's all sorts of different types of literature. But as we read it, we get an understanding of the person who is behind writing it, which is God himself. Because this is his written instruction to his people that they may understand him. We read it and we need it, not because we understand every word that's in it. Because sometimes I'm reading it, I'm still thinking, like, I'm not sure what that's about. I can still find that when I'm reading it. And I'm not reading it just because it's the right thing to do. I know I've been told it's the right thing to do. And I know it is the right thing to do. And I know in one sense I'm even saying to you it's the right thing to do. But it's not about the right thing to do. It's understanding why we need it. We're understanding what its purpose is. We need to understand what it does. It breaks the stranglehold that this world system can have over us. And it gives us the ability to walk according to the ways of the kingdom of God so that his light can shine in us and that light can shine out from us that others may see. What is the desire of heaven? No one should be lost, but everyone would come to know him. It's the desire of heaven. And here we are finding ourselves, I want to get caught up in that desire of heaven. I want to live according to the ways of heaven. Okay, then I need to read this book I read it so that I can learn and understand how I am supposed to live in the kingdom of God that's why I read it this says I need to love my enemies and it says I need to forgive and that's a living active word that I have to take into my life now I have to say to you the truth is it doesn't always work out very well But every time it doesn't work out well, so like at work with the boss, the boss of all horrors that you have to work for, the one who's never kind, the one who never notices the good work you do, you know, that person who you're now really frustrated and annoyed with, this word says to you, you need to keep loving him or her. It says to you. So some days you actually live up to it. Other days you find yourself failing. But the word, which is the kingdom word, which you're bringing the kingdom in, and if you want us to bring the kingdom and his light in, that word has to live in you in the midst of that difficult situation. So that you forgive the neighbor who has just been doing annoying things and their fence has broken down and you've asked them to fix it and they won't fix it and you're really annoyed and now it's got to a difficult situation. What do you do? The Word of God already tells you what to do. It says you love them. Oh yeah, but you don't understand. And God says, yes, I do understand. I've given you my instruction and you need now to live by it. Or do you want to fall into what James and my servant John are saying, where there's a sense of adultery, where you're just getting caught up in the system of the world. My kingdom is not of this world. Jesus is saying, the ways that you're so used to in this world of going about things, that's not the way of my kingdom. If we want to learn about the kingdom and understand the ways of the kingdom, then we want to read the scriptures so that we can understand it. As Christians, we're living in this world, but we don't want to be part of this world. We want to be living for the kingdom of God while we're here, bringing His light in. Um, the questionnaire. So, a first of all, thank you very much. Seventy-eight responses from last week, which I was extremely pleased with, and uh, came in very easily uh, on the on the net, and we were able to gather all the information. And so, I did say I'd share them, share the results with you because they're interesting. There is no judgment in this, it's just trying to understand, actually, when we're talking about these things, how is it affecting us, really, as a whole people? And you will know what what your answers were, so you can look at this and say, okay, where, where do I fit in with this? Let's have a look at question number one. Question number one was, how often do you read the Bible? So we're trying to give one answer how often, how often do I read the Bible? And this is how we answered it. So you can see, you probably won't be able to see all the writing, but you are able to see the width of the colored bars. And right at the bottom is the biggest bar, which is actually at uh, 37%. So 37% of those who answered said they're reading the Bible every day. Hallelujah. I'm encouraged with that, 37%. And, but you can see, okay, four times a week, every other day, once a week. The only problem is, if I would say on that section, is the next largest percentage is people who are reading it occasionally or less than once a week. So in other words, the challenge there is, why do we need to read it? That's what I'm trying to address. If you want to see the kingdom come, then it's essential for us to actually get hold of kingdom words so that we can live out kingdom lives. But there we are. So 37% of people are reading the Bible every day. Praise the Lord for that. Question two. When you read the Bible, how much do you read? So, okay, we're actually reading the Bible. When I read it, how much do I read? Is it just a few verses? Is it a short paragraph? Is it a whole chapter? Is it like three to five chapters? Is it like five chapters or more? How, how do we look at that? And there we have in the middle, which is the largest percentage, which is 32%, which is basically saying, I read a whole chapter. So, so far, of our 78 people, we've got 37% of them are saying, I'm reading every day. And 32% are saying, I read a whole chapter. So that would give an indication that a lot of people are reading one chapter of the Bible each day to get that drip, drip information into them. And that's good. I would love to encourage that more, but what we've got is great. So question three, how long do you spend reading the Bible when you read it? So when you read it, how long is it that you're actually reading it for? I mean, is it five minutes? Is it five to 10 minutes? Is it 10 to 15 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes or more? And here... Five minutes, no, that only gets 8% as an answer, so that's very small. The largest answer, actually, is 5 to 10 minutes, 29%. But when you look at it, actually, it's like 29% 5 to 10 minutes, 24% 10 to 15 minutes, 22% 15 to 20 minutes, and 26% 20 to 30 uh, 30 minutes. So we've got different percentages, but like a quarter of people who are reading are reading those, those sorts of times. Again... Reading it every day, one chapter, 29% of 5 to 10 minutes, that would ta- that's about what it takes to read a chapter, maybe seven minutes or something to read a, chapter of the, a long chapter of the Bible. Here's a question, though. How long do you spend looking at social media? Is it five minutes? Is it five to 10 minutes? Is it 10 to 15 minutes? You know what I'm saying. And the reason I say it like that is this. My kingdom, says Jesus, is not of this world. So where is the influence coming for your life? Where's the doorway that you're opening up in your life to be influenced by? That's what this challenge is about. The Word of God is about the Kingdom of God and as we understand the ways of the Kingdom, we can live the ways of the Kingdom. As we live the ways of the Kingdom, we're being light in this world, light in a dark place which is showing other people the ways of God. Just as Israel was the nation who was supposed to be the light for other nations so they could see God. That's what we have been called to be. So, that's the answers for looking at how, how long do you spend reading the Bible? When you read the Bible. So, when you read the Bible for whatever it is, five to ten minutes or whatever, or you're reading your chapter. When you read the Bible, do you read randomly? Do you read starting at Genesis, working through to Revelation? Do you read mostly the New Testament, mostly the Old Testament, mostly the parts that you like? And here, our biggest answer, nearly 40%, 38% is saying they read randomly. Hmm. 34% are starting at Genesis, working through to Revelation. 21% mostly the New Testament. 3% mostly the Old Testament. And 9% mostly the parts you like. What does that tell, tell me or what would I observe from that? I'd observe it. It doesn't surprise me that people stay away from the Old Testament because they feel like the New Testament is when Jesus comes and it's got all the stuff about Jesus, so that's the good stuff. What you didn't realize is that all Scripture is suitable for training. All Scripture is necessary. In actual fact, the Old Testament gives us, a, I would say, a clearer and easier sight of God and how He acts than actually some of the letters and the ways of the New Testament. So if we're not reading the Old Testament, we miss out. And if we're reading randomly, let me just ask you a question: How many other books? How many other books do you read randomly? Just a question. Only a question, but it's um, but it is a question that's worth mentioning. Now I know. I know this is a strange book, and I know sometimes you get caught in stuff. Ah, oh, I don't mind reading Genesis, because that's story. Exodus is all right halfway through until you start getting about all this stuff to do with the ark and materials and tents and, oh, I don't know. Numbers is a lot of numbers, although there's a few good bits in there. Uh, Leviticus, oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so you get to that, and you, and you sort of feel like... Now, if you're reading it only one chapter a day... Okay, you never really get up to grips with the story. That's the point. you, you do OK, I've done that, and I've learned something, and you do, loo- you do learn something. there's no doubt about that. And uh, randomly can be some people reading to a plan, and the plan takes you Old Testament, New Testament, so therefore it is random in its uh, way, but in actual fact, you are still reading Old Testament and New Testament. And that is very helpful. Just one thing I want to say, and that is helpful to me to, to hear that. What I do want to say is, and I know I'm letting you understand about the importance of reading scripture, this isn't a judgment situation, okay? What we're here to is to help everybody. In actual fact, coming on, and I'll just, I, I might come back to that, coming on to the last question, what is your predominant feeling when reading the Bible? Now, here's, a, here's another very open question. In other words, how does it make you feel? So again, I could have answered a number. I find it challenging. I find it challenging. I don't really understand it. That's me too. I consider it my duty. Sometimes that's me too. I find it helpful. Yes, I do find it helpful. I find it enjoyable. I find it enjoyable. So I could have ticked each of those boxes, actually. That's the truth. However, I'm looking at what is the predominant feeling you have? How does it make you feel? Why do we ask this question? Because it says, I find it challenging. 33 people say that. Now, we can find it challenging as in like, this is challenging. (laughs) It's like walking uphill every day. Or I find it challenging because it challenges me to change my behavior. So actually, there's a word factor there, which can also be slightly uh, different. Um, But it's good to be challenged. I don't really understand it, and I consider it my duty. If that's how you answered, this is one of the problems we have. We're here to help you. We're here to help you. The whole object of all I want to communicate is this. The kingdom of heaven is not of this world but we're seeking to bring the kingdom and the ways of God into this world. That's what God is wanting for us. Because the desire of heaven is that the two types of people that there are on earth, those that know Jesus and those who don't know Jesus, that they may be able to connect with him. That's what it's about. So if we want that to happen and we want to see the kingdom come, because we do pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, then if we don't know what his will and his ways are, how can we do that? Sure, we can hear teaching from the church, we can pick up some things, but you know what, it's not about me. The guys who are going to university, what do we want for them? They can go and stand on their own two feet. It's not that we're going to be mollycoddled all the time. Oh gosh, we need to help you cook and boil an egg today. And so, uh, you know, we need to look after you. Don't you cook anything? I'll make sure. No, you go to university, look after yourselves. Stand on your own two feet. Learn what it means to take responsibility. And coming to church, we can hear things from the front and gain information. But what we're really wanting is for people to be able to stand on their own two feet. Because you've got to go and live your life. And where you're living your life is so important because God has chosen you and called you and appointed you to all the relationships and people you're going to so that you can bring his light to those people. That's what we're here for. We're here to be light in a dark world so that we can actually connect with people. That's what we're here for. And so when it comes to reading scripture, I want to encourage you. Those of you who are doing one chapter... And if you, or let's just go back to this question, this point the random situation. I'm following a plan. Great. Make a plan that takes you through every single book. Why? Just so you can say, I've read it. To be, just so you can say, I've read it all. Some of this is hard to understand. But all of it's been inspired. All of it's been inspired. So if he's inspired it for us, why can't we just take hold of it? And the reason that I read systematically, i.e. from Genesis to Exodus back again, is just so that I've made sure I've read them all, cover them all. And you, after you've done it a few times, the story, because there is a story in here, and it is a story that goes from beginning to end. There is a story that goes from the front to the back. There's a story of how God works through his people. And as you read it consecutively, that story starts to get unfolded to you. But sometimes it takes a little bit more than just one chapter. I'm not knocking people reading one chapter. I say, praise God. I thought it was just going to be three verses or something. So people are reading. Great. But allow God to do so much more. He has called you for purpose. For his purpose. And every one of us is knocking up against the ceiling of how far can we go? What can we do? I feel as though I'm limited. I'm doing my best here. He has plans for you that are far beyond the plans that you have for yourself. And his plans are to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. But his plans also are to put you alongside people so that you can speak of the things of the kingdom. And it's not just that you think like, I've got to go to work tomorrow or wherever you might be. I've got to go to work and I've got to say to everybody, this is the way of salvation. I need to tell you about Jesus and his blood and the cross. And no, all you need to do is to say, you know why I was at church yesterday and I was just feeling refreshed because I know that God has changed me from being somebody who used to be continually angry to somebody now who can control their anger and who knows so much more peace. Because you see, people are looking for the things that help them in their lives. They're not looking for the fact that you've, your life is all together and wonderful. They're looking for the fact of those people who are struggling with anger that they won't mention. They're looking, is there an answer for this? Is there something that can change this? They're looking for ordinary people who've had all, extraordinary changes. Because God has come to meet with them. And I don't know what your situation is. I'm not necessarily saying it's anger or whatever it might be. Because we're all different. But God knows who you are. And he knows he's placed you. And he knows where you are. So that he can do his work through you. And we're always looking for, I've got to say so much. You haven't got to say so much. But you have got to represent the kingdom. Let's first of all get to the point and say, We're not ashamed of the fact that he has called us out of darkness into his light. What I want to be is light for Him. And one of the ways that my light can increase is that I can allow His light to dwell in me more and more. And if there's a sense in which you're struggling with this or it's difficult for you or, you know, give me a better version or if you are like me, I was never a reader at school. I was never a reader. Some people are, massive readers. I was never particularly a reader But having read this and got to grips with it, I find I'm now becoming more of a reader because it's helped me in that. So I understand it's difficult sometimes to get hold of it. Start where you can and keep going from where you are to deeper and deeper things. So get ready to share. All of us are in, in a framework of people. You know what It would be a good thing to do? To give yourself 15 minutes, go home, And just sit down with a piece of paper and write down the people who are in your world. So that's family, friends, neighbors, whatever. The people who you know who are in your world who are not in the camp of they know God and they're walking with God. They're in the other camp. They don't know God. They're lost. Just write down the lost people in your world. And start praying over them. You know, because it, it takes us sometimes to think like, oh, who is that going to be? Like, so if you start with your, your, your family, you can think like, okay, you know about your brothers and sisters or your mums and dads and you know who, who of them are saved or not. Or, okay, what about aunts and uncles and connections, cousins, and oh my goodness, you know. How, and suddenly you find you've got a list of people and you think like, well, I'm not sure how I can share the gospel. Don't worry about that. Just start having a list of people who are in your world, the people in your office, the people you're communicating to on Zoom or whatever it is, a list of people who are in your world that you can pray for. Just as in God, I I don't know how to say, but I have been called to be a light just as Israel was called to be a light. And as I'm seeking to read your word and help me read your word and speak to me through your word, speak to me words through your word, that I might be able to have the ability to share some of those with these people. Help me. Holy Spirit, lead me. Guide me. Let's start somewhere. But each of us has the ability to bring influence to those around us. And you know what? The most people, the frailest, some people say, I can't do that. I'm just a weak Christian. No, you're not. If you've got Jesus living in you, you may feel weak, but you're not weak. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And that's why he's come to live within us, to show his glory into this world. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. That's what he's come for. And so we who have known that and have come into that place, okay, how are we getting on and drawing the things of the kingdom into our lives? By reading scripture. Let's encourage one another. If you've got questions, let's ask questions. I'd far rather deal with questions and difficulties. How do I do this? How do I, Than just preach and let everybody go home and okay, it's all lovely we're here to be world changers and at the times we're living in now how much does the world need to see the transformation that the people of God can bring it's at a time like this we've been called for such a time we weren't called uh, 500 years ago to be dealing with those situations each of us was called for the situation of life where we are today the difficulties of today and he is sufficient for us today And we call upon him, Lord, bring your change. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just lift up our hands to you to say, Lord, come among your people. Lord, you who have brought us salvation, we're crying out to you. Lord, will you come and help us? Will you come and help us to be lights? for you in this dark world every area Lord where we are wrestling, struggling, striving straining but seeming to get nowhere in the name of Jesus we pray for an out fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon our lives to break the stubborn yokes that have been erected around us or have filled our hearts and our minds Lord will you come and break those yokes break those resistances break that stubbornness help us to be a people who rely upon you. You are our strength and shield. You are our deliverer. You are our strong tower. Lord, we want to look to you. Will you come and help us? Will you bring a fresh anointing upon every life? Will you bring fresh encouragement to every heart? Will you cause us, Lord, to be able to dig into your word? Father, help us to realize we don't want to be filled with the things of this world and the social media of this world. We want to know the light of heaven and the goodness of God coming into our lives. Help us, Lord, where we lack, where we fight against it, where we resist, where we have questions and we're afraid to ask them. Come with your glory and help us, Lord. Bring transformation to every heart. Let us, Lord, tremble at the knowledge of your greatness. Cause your light, O God, to shine in us and through us and from us that we may see this world being transformed. We're praying in the name of Jesus that you would do a mighty work amongst us for the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.